0: So we come to uh, finish by God's help, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, and it deals now not with uh, the role or roster uh, of widows, but a roster of uh, paid elders, Uh, and in the last half of uh, 1 Timothy 5, or the last third, I guess, uh, of 1 Timothy 5, this is not only those whose primary vocation Uh, is uh, to preach and teach uh, the gospel. So verse 17, "'Let the elders who rule well "'be counted worthy of double honor, "'especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, "'for the scripture says, "'you shall not muzzle an ox "'while it treads out the grain, "'and the laborer is worthy of his wages.'" So not muzzle an ox while it treads, uh, while it treads out the grain. Uh, even for an animal, part of the gratitude that you show for the work that it does is allowing it to eat uh, from its labor. Uh, and then the laborer being worthy of his wages, uh, this is actually something, uh, incidentally, that is quoted from Luke chapter 10. Uh, that is the only place that this particular phrase is found. The idea, of course, is found uh, throughout the Old Testament. Um, and uh, uh, I think uh, in Matthew, uh, the, the scripture says, or, and quoting Christ and his earthly ministry, uh, that those who work should be able to eat from their work. But this particular quote is from Luke chapter 10. And one of the reasons that's significant is, uh, as people who are uh, unconverted and trying to conform uh, more to this age, leave the faith, uh, one of the things that they often will tell you is, well, you know uh, the church uh, decided what the Bible was anyway, uh, and they 'll refer you know to the Council of Nicaea or maybe one of the earlier canonical uh, lists from the uh, uh, the third or fourth century, and it will sound very, uh, very historically informed, um, like you poor uh, uh, fundamentalist Christian who actually believe that the Bible is the word of God. Uh, well, the the inspired writings uh, of, um, the spirit-inspired writings that uh, are the very word of God and uh, Uh, given by the authority of God, they were being recognized in real time as they were being written. Uh, We had occasion recently to reference uh, Daniel chapter 9 again, uh, in which Daniel uh, recognized uh, Jeremiah as uh, Holy Scripture, as being recognized in real time then. uh, it uh, It is folly to think that In the New Testament, the inspiring inspiration of the New Testament scriptures with Christ as the great prophet, the last word, as uh, the book of Hebrews opens by telling us and writing now by apostles, prophets, and evangelists of his, uh, as they are his mouthpiece and and his hand, uh, it's foolish to think it was uh, any different or any less uh, immediate and authoritative the recognition. Uh, of God's word written. And so here you have an example. Paul is writing to Timothy uh, about the scripture that Luke wrote. I mean, Luke was their traveling buddy. <laughs> they, they, they've gone places together. They know his faults. They know he's a sinner. They have probably sinned against Luke and been forgiven by him. And Luke has probably sinned against them and uh, and been forgiven by them. They know his uh, they know he's uh, a mere man, but they also know that what came off of his pen are the word of God. Uh, and surely Paul and Timothy know that about uh, one another as, as well. So it's worth noting that uh, Luke ten verse seven here is quoted as scripture. Uh, it's one of the things that uh, in the uh, in the First Corinthians uh, twelve through fourteen. Uh, section especially in chapter um, uh, 14 I believe uh, where Paul says if anyone claims uh, to be a prophet let him recognize that I too have the spirit uh, and what he's saying is uh, someone who had the gift of, uh, of uh, prophecy in the New Testament period and was in the role of one of Christ's prophets in the church. One of the things that they would do is they would identify uh, that which was being written as scripture as scripture. so when First Corinthians arrived in Corinth, there were men in Corinth who were gifted by the Holy Spirit to recognize First Corinthians as not the letter of a mere man but as the Word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the apostle paul uh, and here in in First Timothy. Uh, Paul is saying the same thing about the Gospel of Luke, uh, so you don 't have to uh, you don 't have to worry or, or feel like somebody has um, has discovered information that disproves something that you have uh, have held to uh, if they frown and tell you about how the church didn 't know what the Word of God was or what the church decided what the Word of God was that, that just uh, isn't true. Uh, anyway, so you have the uh, the the ox, which uh, should be free to uh, to get its living, and then the laborer worthy of his wages. Uh, a big part of that uh, in the New Testament and in the Old Testament as well it was commanded there. But in the in the world uh, into which the Bible was written, uh, is that if you didn't get paid that day, you might not eat that day. You might not eat the eat the next day, and so. Uh, the laborer should be able to labor in hope he shouldn't be laboring uh, and worrying uh, about whether or not he's going to be able to take care of himself uh or his family uh, and uh, if you uh if you've ever seen uh, a uh call contract uh for a minister one of the one of the things that the call of a minister uh uh will say is uh, that the congregation is promising uh, to relieve the minister of all worldly cares, all earthly cares for himself and his family. He, uh, he should be able to labor in the ministry, uh, not worrying that if he devotes himself entirely to the ministry and not uh, not trying to make money in some other way, that somehow his family uh, is not going to be provided for. The laborer is worthy of his wages. Uh, but the one who has his... Uh, his calling, his labor uh, in the word and doctrine. This is his uh, his daily work, verse 17. Uh, remember, uh, we don't forget when you read verse 17 that it's in the same context as verse 18. So it's describing uh, those who labor in the word and doctrine. Uh, We've mentioned bivocational ministers uh, before and how, uh, I've heard in some places a, a real value on bivocational ministers, usually it's places where you have dying churches that can't afford to pay a living wage or stingy churches that won't afford to pay uh, a living wage, which often become the dying churches um, as uh, as a result. Uh, but the Bible uh, has uh, a word in verse 17 for Bible, bivocational ministers, it's elders a bivocational minister is a ruling elder every ruling elder is as it were a bivocational minister he has his daily labor he has, we call it a 9 to 5 the whole yeah rest of the history of humanity laughs at us for that um, but he has his uh he has his da- yeah some of you don't work 9 to 5 either and uh, pray, praise God for that um, the, the the elder ordinarily has his daily labor in something else, and yet there is the same principle uh, that he needs to be able to devote himself to praying for and shepherding the congregation, to participating in the teaching ministry, and it may be necessary to fill in gaps financially uh, for uh, an elder's family that, uh, so that he can put the sort of time into being an elder as is really necessary. Uh, he doesn't just sit on an executive board of the church that meets nine times a year uh, he has a he has a uh, a calling that is that is going to take some time and maybe take some resources uh and the and the church if if it has uh elders who uh, who would be helped uh to labor faithfully in the ministry in their ministry uh, ought to have uh, a a view towards uh helping them out. Even up to the sorry, even up to the point of you know double uh what uh what you would uh a regular daily laborer's uh wage as it were. Uh sorry, Dave. I thought we problem, it was ten times a year. No it's nine. We we had thought it was ten, but but it turned out to be nine, which meant we're planning to skip October, which may be tempting Providence, because then we have to hit November and December. Um, which, anyway, neither here nor there since we mentioned it. Um, I guess there's just uh, one family here that aren't members, so I'd say don't feel singled out, but you're singled out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if uh, if you're attending regularly, uh, and the Lord is uh, shepherding and and instructing you as uh, part of this church, invite you to uh, to come on November 16th or before for membership. We'll talk about that some other uh, some other time. Um, but there, are, um, uh, for uh, for all y'all, there are a couple other um, folks that you can just very kind of friendly say. Yeah, you know, I saw where it said in the harbinger or in the session meeting digest that I forget which I saw where pastor wrote that uh uh if you're not a member yet and you're acting like a member you should you should covenant yourself so uh when you're going to become a member um, and your elders will do that too uh but the point in verse seventeen is not to make sure that the elders uh, uh uh, are just taken care of it 's to facilitate their ability to rule well. Let elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor and that does cut two different ways: uh, one is uh, a, a congregation that is experiencing the kind of shepherding ministry for instance that we uh, that we saw Paul teach and model to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter twenty. Uh, should show gratitude with gratuity. I mean, everybody expects a tip today. America's gone crazy. Um, you know, anyway, uh, I'll do that soapbox on a, something other than Lord's Day. Um, but you should, uh, we, we, sh- we should receive such a ministry as uh, as makes us want to tip our elders, so to speak. Um, but the other thing is, um, If a congregation is committed to that, uh, it does emphasize to the elder and reinforce to him how important it is that he would rule and shepherd well. Uh, I think it's rare enough in our culture and our church culture that every one of us have been in a situation where we were not actively shepherded, let alone shepherded well actively uh, in the church. Uh, but that that should be uh, a congregational value, and then there 's especially then the value those who the, who their daily calling is to labor in the word and doctrine uh, and in order to labor in teaching the word doctrine is the word uh, word for teaching in order to labor in teaching and preaching, there has to be labor in the word uh, a man who has not uh, studied carefully and meditated deeply uh, upon the word of God uh, is, uh, is not prepared uh, to labor then in preaching and teaching it the way uh, that that particular uh, preaching and teaching ministry, uh, the, the way the Lord wants his church to have that particular preaching and teaching ministry. Yes, There are these bivocational ministers that are called elders in 1 Timothy 5.17, which by the way is one of the reasons why I'm a two-office guy, not a three-office guy. Uh, One of the reasons why uh, uh, our dear brother, who takes it uh, very seriously, and it's a little bit outside his comfort zone, is going to prepare and preach, Lord willing, uh, for us November 5th, so pray and anticipate that pray for Jim and anticipate that uh, with joy but the bivocational ministry is not the ordinary preaching and teaching ministry among God's people Uh, there is a value here in 1st Timothy 5.17 for what we call the teaching elder um, the one who um, who gives his life uh, to this Uh, now uh, that means that uh, there's a lot riding on him and he should, um, uh, he should watch uh, against sin in himself and the elders uh, should watch against sin in the other elders. Uh, verse 19, do not receive an accusation against uh, an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. Now, verse nineteen is just uh, part of biblical justice and righteousness. That accusations are not brought as hearsay, um, uh, uh, just by uh, the one. In uh, Deuteronomy nineteen fifteen, for instance, and the uh, the, the bringing of uh, a witness. Uh, to interact with somebody who sinned against you doesn 't mean if you 're the only one uh, who knew about it that it can 't be dealt with you do confront personally and then bring uh, a second and there are situations where um, you involve an authority uh, or a defender immediately uh, anyway there's there's a there 's a whole complex of things there if uh, if you are sinned against uh, and you need that by the witness of two or three witnesses, something be established. Uh, Don't feel like you can't come to. In fact, I urge you uh, to come to one of your elders, including myself, and we will help you um, work through Matthew 18. Uh, But one one thing that happens is if somebody is preaching and teaching, especially if they're preaching and teaching the truth, um, and then if the congregation is supporting them, uh, they also can become easy targets um, or lightning rods for uh, accusation. Um, now, uh, it's important that the sins of elders and ministers do be uh, recognized, repented of, uh, and rebuked, verse 20. Uh, but it's also important that in uh, uh, even in their case, if we're valuing the ministry um, like we should, verse seven and eighteen, seventeen and eighteen. Uh, then we need to follow the uh, the standards, the parameters of biblical justice uh, in verse nineteen. Uh, one of the places, then, my dear children, all uh, a couple dozen of you uh, who are present, um, one of the places where we learn to follow Matthew eighteen is in a household, especially a household with multiple siblings, uh, because you will get lots of practice uh, at being sinned against uh, and being confronted for sinning against uh, in a house with multiple siblings. And you will learn not to just run off and be a talebearer, uh, but to love your brother or sister, uh, not to use you've sinned against me as... Um, as you know what's coming next, I don't want to tell if you don't, uh, if you don't fix this, uh, but learning to approach things from the standpoint of wanting to recover your brother. That's the goal in Matthew 18. Recovering your brother, recovering your sister. Uh, and so the uh, Lord says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Lord says, love your brother as Christ has loved you. He also says, love your enemies. Uh, and so... We never, uh, we never have an excuse from God to treat anyone adversarially, to treat anyone um, uh, with enmity just because they have treated us with enmity. He started it as a non-starter. He's okay. He started it. Then what are you supposed to do? Do you love the one who started it? They're acting like an enemy. What does God say to do with your enemy? Love your enemy. Well, how do you love him? Were you trying to recover him when you told him what he did? Or were you just trying to beat him over the head with how bad a thing he did? Because those are two different things. Uh, Taking the moral high ground is not the same thing as trying to grab the person who slipped off of it and pull them up to the moral high ground with you. You want everybody to be on the moral, moral high ground. And so there is this desire to recover one another. There's this desire to be used by God for one another's good. And that even applies to when a minister sins, especially when the minister sins, because we should all be afraid of sinning. Those who are sinning, notice that that's uh, an ongoing unrepented sort of thing. Not every last sin of the minister. You know, verse um, verse 20 is not, uh, let's make sure every last sin of the minister is uh, is used to, Uh, to uh, keep him humble. Um, You know, the old Scots Presbyterian prayer, uh, prayer for your minister. Um, This isn't actually a Scots Presbyterian prayer. It's just a joke about, well, there's too much truth in it. Lord, we'll keep him poor, you keep him humble. Um, But verse 20 is reminding us that we should fear sin. The Bible and history are full of men who were in high position, even and especially within the church, who when they began to backslide, were not confronted, were not rebuked, were not recovered. And ministries and churches and nations have been ruined or suffered harm. Uh, We should all be afraid of sinning. And this is important for you to hear because we live in an age where even in the Reformed churches you hear preaching that says that we shouldn't feel guilty about our sin or we shouldn't be afraid of sin. We should only ever operate uh, out of of cheerful confidence in God. Well, yes, God exists. You should operate out of cheerful confidence in God. But sin also exists, and you should... Flee temptation and you should grieve over your sin and you should hate it and you should fear falling into it and cling cheerfully to the God who is your only hope for not falling into it. If you cling to yourself and your rules because you're afraid of sin, then you're just an idiot, a spiritual idiot. Um, and we've all been that spiritual idiot, haven't we? But... Uh, uh, But because we value the the ministry and want its fruits to be preserved, those who are sending um, rebuke. Uh, And so this also, uh, for the process of ordination, especially for ordination uh, to the ministry, this informs informs how those who are elders already, how Timothy is to interact uh, with other elders. Uh, so he needs to watch out for his own sin. Observe these things without prejudice. Do nothing with partiality. Uh, which means uh, whatever elder it is uh, that is, uh, that is uh, sinning should not make a difference for how aggressively you approach it. There needs to be, or lack of aggressively. You know, I can think of situations... Um, You know, Kuyper uh, taught some error and probably needed to to be corrected. And uh, and there were friends of his uh, in uh, in the Dutch Reformed churches in the Netherlands uh, who, uh, both because of their friendship and because of their perception of of how much good they thought Kuyper was doing, uh, his errors, uh, theological errors, and some things that you did that weren't uh, particularly uh, biblical, didn't get corrected, uh, and look at what came of the churches. Uh, Chuck Finney was a Presbyterian. He should have been excommunicated for his heresy uh, with, uh, with directness and speed and seriousness, uh, but uh, Presbyterians and Synods can end up being good old boys clubs where you're too partial to one another and you, you don't uh, follow through on what you need to do. Um, Yeah, people didn't like Machen, uh, and so they were quick to jump over on anything that they could find as an excuse against him. Partiality in the process of um, uh, of how we deal with elder sins uh, uh, can uh, can be very harmful to the church. So there's a valuing of the ministry uh, in verse uh, in verse twenty, and there's a valuing of the ministry in verse twenty one. Uh, there's a valuing of the ministry in verse 22. Uh, if the elders lay hands on someone quickly, if they don't uh, follow the 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 uh, procedure for uh, ordination of elders, if they don't follow the the 1 Timothy 3 procedure for the uh, ordination of deacons, uh, if they just say, oh man, we need some deacons, let's get them in here yesterday uh, and... You know, they they either are hasty in the laying on of hands or they lay hands on someone who's young in the faith, as as we've seen, uh, also is not to be done, then when that person's sins come to light, the elders are actually culpable for having laid their hands on quickly because God warned them. And then, um, uh, very, very quickly, let me uh, finish because I'm running out of time and then I'll... Um, I'll get to you. Uh, when he tells uh, Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard work to be an elder. Uh, the, uh, uh, he has to take care of his health. Uh, and then the word stomach is used here the way, uh, the way we often use it. It's also, uh, uh, in first century Greek, it's used like you'd use guts. And uh Timothy uh, seems to have had a timid character. Uh, he had to be told to let no one uh, let no one disregard him uh, and uh, this may include advice that he have a glass of wine before a session meeting um, don't want to don't want to take that too far, but uh, there is definitely uh, a seriousness and a willingness. Uh, there are times to fast, there are, uh, there are times where we embrace weakness, but a man, generally speaking, should be strong for his family, and then a man who is in office in the church uh, should take, uh, should view the, the, um, the strength and health that God has given him as not belonging to him. Uh, it belongs in part to the church for the good of God's people. Uh, you can pray for me for uh, my own care of my health, and then uh, verse twenty four and twenty five uh, urging uh, and this relates back up to verse nineteen and tw- uh, verse nineteen and twenty uh, carefulness and persistence in investigation uh, of reports of sin some men 's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment those are the easy ones in that case, you just have to be courageous. Um, uh, and uh, and follow the procedure for church discipline. Some, those of some follow later, which means you need to do your due diligence and make sure uh, you investigate thoroughly. Don't uh, don't forget Proverbs eighteen and how uh, one person seems to be right until another one comes and asks a question, and you shouldn't answer a matter before you're finished uh, before you finish hearing it. Uh, you know, the longer you live, kids, the more situations you'll be in where you were sure you knew what was going on in a particular situation of conflict, or a particular situation of someone else. Someone reliable has told you what their experience was. You have no reason to doubt them. Uh, but there was more information than they knew, or they were misperceiving, or uh, or whatever. Uh, but happily, and this should be the case. When we investigate elders, more often than not, uh, the good works of some are clearly evident uh, already, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. You start investigating the, the situation because the ministry needs to be protected and the minister's name needs to be cleared. A minister should always be happy um, uh, to be investigated if the, if the elders say it's necessary. It's always a red flag for me at a presbytery, in a presbytery situation where when the presbytery does not want to uh, investigate or even the man accused does not want to investigate an accusation of significant sin because it is important to vindicate the name of the, of the minister or vindicate the name of the elder so that uh, his usefulness and fruitfulness in ministry uh, can be strengthened. And verse 25 is describing that. Um, if we are following biblical guidelines, ministers and elders do not generally stand on the on the uh, rooftop and announce all the good they've been doing. Uh, but sometimes God's way of bringing the good that uh, a man has been doing to light is even though he wasn't letting the, his right hand know what his left hand was doing, uh, he got accused of a sin and so there had to be an investigation and rather than the investigation bringing a sin to light it actually brought godliness to light Uh, and how much strengthened then would a ministry be in that case Um, so as far as elders or deacons work in verse 17 through 25 there is of course uh, relieving uh, the minister and his family's earthly needs and any elders and their families uh, earthly financial needs, so that they can rule well uh, in their eldership as well. Uh, there is the care for the elder and the and the minister's um, physical health, uh, and uh, the the other stuff is just part of a congregational um, a congregational value upon the the ministry that is going to be expressed financially there's more involved in taking care of elders and and uh, and preachers than just making sure the family eats and that the, the family isn't worried there should be the expression of a congregational value all right sorry dave uh, I was just going to say that uh, over the years I've heard people say a ministry of god or god deal with Thank you. Since we do have a number of young men that I hope will, God will call to the ministry, um, let me say a couple things about that. The first thing is that there is such a thing as a minister who has an easy gig. A faithful minister uh, is a calling that you never get time off of because you don't get to stop being a minister uh, ever. Um, but I have known, I knew them in seminary, I know them now in the pastorate, many men who did have and do have an easy gig. Uh, and they'll often be the same sorts of men who um, uh, who will talk about how you know, it's pastorally wise not to have exegetical or, or doctrinal preaching, because um, if you can have preaching light, then you can have studying light. And, uh, uh, and you can, you know, you can think that your ministry is to make sure you play golf with every man in the congregation on a regular basis uh, or uh, or whatever it is. So if you are called to the ministry, uh, uh, plan to devote your whole life to it. Uh, a second thing is the, the minister must not be a lover of money. And so, uh, he should be, percentage-wise, especially if the congregation is following the instruction of this text, uh, one of the top givers to the church. Uh, Even if the church doesn't know it, God knows it, and you should have have the character that's described in chapter 3, especially if you're getting compensated in the way in chapter 5. Uh, so uh, and if, if a minister is is frugal and generous, that also will will help guard the ministry from the accusations that we were talking about um, but yes, uh, Dave is exactly right the first and the first compensation of course, is the pleasure of God in his son as he sees his son 's character in ministry. Um, uh, imitated, displayed in the minister's own uh, character and ministry, but the second greatest pleasure is you know, third John verse four I have no greater joy than to hear that my children uh, walk in truth um, yeah you know, the the church in Mississippi when we were leaving um, uh, to plant the church in Iowa, uh, they gave us a a plaque with that on it, and God forgive me for how unbelieving and, and difficult, you know, how much difficulty I have in seeing how good his work is. And, uh, I am so grateful to him for his fruit in, in your life. But that was the moment when I opened that thing up and, and I saw Third John verse 4, like, oh, they get it, that, that this, is, this is what we want. Um, I hope that you children know that about your parents, uh, that their greatest joy is to see you walking in the truth, uh, and I hope that the congregation knows that about all of their elders, uh, that that's, that's what we want from you. That's what we want uh, from God for you. All right, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you and praise you that you gave your son, Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you that when you ascended on high, you gave gifts among men, uh, including uh those including and especially those uh, through whom you minister your word to us, uh the shepherd teachers, and we pray, O Lord, that as you have placed such value on the ministry, you would give to us to place uh, such value on the ministry, and that you would bless O Lord, that which you have appointed by bearing fruit unto the joy of your people but especially unto the glory of our Lord Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen.